five, four, three, two, one. This is what I keep saying to you, just don't plan on anything because you never know what's going to happen in, in your life. And this is exactly one of those things. It was never, ever in my plans to, to own a horse farm. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the UFT Medicine Faculty After Hours podcast. We're so excited to have a special guest with us today. He's at the helm of the office of Health Profession Student Affairs, or OPSA, here at the University of Toronto, where they work diligently for students to provide broad services, such as access to mental health professionals and ensuring that we're prepared for the CARMS process. We're gonna talk a little bit about what he does within the department, as well as his interests inside and outside of medicine. So come sit with us with a delicious hot cup of tea or coffee and enjoy another piping hot episode of the Faculty After Hours podcast. Dr. Antonio Pignatello is a child and adolescent psychiatrist and associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry, University of Toronto, and has been part of the faculty since 2002. Prior to beginning his position in the Office of Health Profession Student Affairs, he was the Associate Psychiatrist and Chief and Medical Director of the Telepsychiatry Telelink Mental Health Program at the Hospital for Sick Children. He has also been involved with the Medical Psychiatry Alliance as its Director of Child and Youth Health and Family Services Previously, he worked in private practice and in various hospitals and community-based children's mental health services. His academic and clinical interests include models and systems of care in child and youth mental health, telemedicine, and knowledge transmission. So without further ado, Dr. Pinatello, welcome to Faculty Tea After Hours. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, before we start, uh, you know, Kenny and I have kind of had a bet on who can say your last name better. So. We wanted to see so who can be the better Dr. P Prodigy. So we're gonna <laughs> let Kenny try to say your last name first, and then I'll try it, and then we'll see who is more right on. Because I know you you jokingly mentioned how like your last name is one of the things like the tougher things in medicine that you have to know. So is that fine with you? Absolutely. Matter. Okay. I think before we begin, we should probably introduce ourselves since we gave Dr. There you such a lovely <laughs> introduction. There you go. <laughs> uh, my name is Nader Chai, I'm VP of Student Affairs Senior. And I'm Kenneth Williams, I'm the speaker for MedSoc. And like we said, we're very excited to have Dr. Antonio Pignatiello here today. Okay, that was All a right. good one. That was a good one. Okay, Nader, you're going to try it again? Yeah, Antonio Pignatiello. Okay, you guys are real close. Um, so yeah, you, you, you've got the, the various accents and everything and the pronunciation just fine. I'm going to give it to Kenneth, though, for just a slight tinge more of the, the, the natural and, and not, not as exaggerated on the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, <coughs> with, on the accent of the, uh, of the pronunciation. Uh, so last night, sorry, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say last night when Natter sent some fighting words about this competition, I spent a solid <laughs> amount of time um youtubing um like your last name and seeing pronunciation <laughs> to make sure that it was correct and then um you know like when you go on to like um different pronunciation websites or uh, yeah. youtube channels they have like this robotic voice and i was like i can't have this so <laughs> i looked up like a pronunciation of like italian names and there's this guy who had an accent and but it wasn't antonio so it was delfina pignatello and i was like Okay, I'm just gonna have to make sure that tomorrow I don't say Delphina <laughs> by accident. Yeah, we're probably related. There's not too many Pinatiellos around, but. <laughs> Are you related totally off to the soccer player? Yes, he is my cousin. Okay, because I saw like the same thing. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, we, we, we often got uh, mixed, confused with each other um, when, uh, when he was, uh, when, when we were younger and he was on the, he was on the national youth soccer team. Um, yeah, so we would get that. Actually, it's kind of funny. One day when I had, I used to have a private practice <clears throat> and I went out to get my next patient and, and there was a person in the room that, in the waiting that I wasn't expecting. And it turns out that he was actually looking for my cousin because he was a former soccer coach and he thought that I was that person. <laughs> and I had to disappoint him. It's amazing. But yes. <clears throat> so, so the name, uh, Antonio Pignatiello. 
I still so feel much like better than the both of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not as forced. Um, and I think you guys were around when I give my little little um, direction on how to pronounce it and it, it, uh, how Italian works when when you read. And so yeah, the, the, where people get tripped up is the GN, is the Nia sound, um, and just the accent goes on the double L, so you can get the L uh, and uh, Antonio, where people kind of we actually get Antonio. Um, but if it tends to Antonio, it's more like a like a softer yeah. O in the middle. But congratulations. Good job. Both of you. We never discussed a prize for this matter. I'll, go, I'll just take <laughs> bragging rights. Bragging rights. Bragging rights. Yeah. You, you've become Dr. P's protege. Which That's I it. Like I've upset it because I've been working with him for a year and a half now. So. <laughs> we won't I won't take that away from you guys. You do some amazing work. That's okay. Um, That's okay. My kids still have a hard time pronouncing their last name. Really? And they're and they're do as you, old as you guys. <laughs> do your kids speak Italian? No, no, not not a word, not a word. Um, my older son maybe understands a couple of words, but no. Um, <clears throat> a number of years ago, we went to Italy. My my family had never been. Um, my one son mastered saying two because he wanted to, and and he likes strawberry ice cream, so he mastered he mastered that one. That's as far as he got. Absolutely. Okay, I think if you're ready, we can go on to the next question or the next. Well, this is actually the first question. The first. Yeah. Uh, um, can you describe your role within the faculty in your own words? Yeah, it's 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 a good question, um, and it, it, it's interesting too because when I took on the role, I have to say I didn't actually have a really good appreciation of what of what the role was, and so I've come to learn that over my actually almost three years there now. Um, and so it's a little bit different than maybe what I had anticipated. The way that I would describe it is that it's it's kind of like the mission statement for Ops, which I'm, I'm not going to repeat because it's, it's too it's a bit formal. It is really working with and for students. Uh, I'd say at two levels, definitely at the individual level and definitely at the systemic level. I would say it is the way that I would hope that it, it's seen is that it's, it's a support, a kind of a mentor navigator for students, both in terms of how to make their way through the program, the curriculum, but more importantly, the way that I see it is, is, is how to develop into um, professionals, um, healthcare professionals and, and, and the nuances that go along with that. Um, and, and so Again, when I meet with students individually, that's a lot of what my focus is. It's certainly supporting, but more I see it more as mentoring. Um, and then, you know, at the interface with the faculty, the, uh, the, the MD program or wherever it may be, with CARMS or wherever it may be, um, I see it as kind of um, an advocate but navigator and, and in both directions, in both in terms of bringing students' issues forward, but then also helping students recognize where, where things are and, and what the issues are and, and, and where they fit into students' lives and, in, and, and into their um, uh, in, into the into the program. I also like to see it as is really helping helping students get ready for the next phase of your of your journey, whether it's career or, or you know phase of life or or, um, or wherever that may be. Um, I mean, certainly I do deal with students in difficulty for whatever reasons, um, which is totally fine. Um, that's not the majority of the work that I do with students. Um, um, but, um, but I think, you know, we've kind of also seen as the, as the where students can turn to for help when they're having difficulty with whatever personal issues or, 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 or the program and where they fit in with that. Um, I think too. What I, I like about the role is that I'm not I'm not in the teaching part of it. I'm not in the curriculum part of it. Um, it I'm aware of the curriculum, having been through it a number of years ago, and, and aware of it as I see it right now. But it's nice to not actually be involved in, in setting it or, or determining it, but to be um, more like a consultant and, and looking to represent the students' perspective on that, um, and, and to help students be aware of the of the, of the program's perspective on things. Yeah, I think that's a really good comprehensive answer in terms of all the different uh, pots that you have your hands in in terms of helping students. I was wondering if you could expand a little bit about what specific OPSA does 
and how it can, what services can be there to help students just because I know you guys push so much to help students and definitely the students who access OPSA get so much benefit out of it, but um, one way yeah. to really put in a plug. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, I mean, we have our formal mission, which I can, it's, it's a long line of what I said, it's basically working with students at the individual and systemic level to optimize your learning experience and learning environment um, and, and support you on your route to becoming accomplished healthcare professional, professional healthcare providers or healthcare professionals, if you will, there's a mild distinction there. That's, that's again, the formal route. What, what do we do? I, the way that I would see it is we are there to help students work with students on anything that's not directly related to the curriculum. So student life, whatever issues go along with student life that doesn't involve the curriculum itself specifically. So if you think about it, so, so where are students at? In the, you know, where, where are medical students at? Well, you guys are at adjusting to med school, adjusting to the test, adjusting to the volume. You're at, uh, you know, third, fourth year students in particular are at the CARMS process and the residency match uh, thing. So we're there to support with that. Um, students are also at sometimes having that difficulty with the, with the learning how to do different tests or manage all. So, so that's where our academic coaching, tutoring kind of thing come into play. Some students may be at having some housing issues or financial issues. And so we would support students, direct them to wherever those may be. As you may or may not know, we have in-house personal counselors. So think of, you know, where are, so students, that's, you guys are going to be in that mid-ish 20 plus kind of year old kind of range. So, so where are 20 year olds today at in their lives? Well, it is about housing. It is about career. It is about relationships. It's about entering that sandwich generation. Some may have kids, some will have parents, parents are getting, parents may be getting sick. So it's that phase of life thing. And, and, and how does that fit into trying to be a medical student at, uh, at, at the same time? Um, and then the career part um, is, is a big part of what OPSA does. So it's, it's, it's exposure to, to career options for opportunities. So, so through triple E um, and uh, as an example, um, and then a large part again comes to that next important phase of the career, which is the CARMS piece. So, so it's, it's every, we're not so clearly defined um, but if you do kind of put it together as a theme, it, it's around really supporting students wherever they're at in their lives as it relates to their interface with, with the curriculum. I think uh, if I could add, Dr. P, the nice thing about OPS is it could be whatever you kind of want it to be from the student perspective, is that as much as you kind of put into, you can get out and, and you know, OPS has a wide range of services that they provide. And even from like a student perspective and like even BB of student affairs, I still have more off my head around, but they've been great. You know, I've tried a good chunk of their services and uh, plug in for all our listeners. Um, honestly, if you haven't tried, even if you're just interested in having a sit down or a talk for sure, um, send OPS an email, their uh, OPS reception email and uh, have a sit down and see what they offer. And hopefully it's something you can find that you'd really benefit from and you can go from there yeah thanks very much for the plug. i appreciate that and i and i would also highlight too that we have some things in-house not everything but what we don't have we'll figure it out where it is and when we'll connect students with whatever that may be we have a lot of connections within the program within the faculty within the university within the community so um so you know we're also a little bit of um navigators and, and, and brokers if you will i have one last aspect to this question if you bear with me what is the best and toughest thing about your job, both in the faculty and in the clinical setting? Okay, good question. I'm gonna start with the toughest, actually. The, the, the toughest part so far was actually figuring out what my job was um, and, and where it started and, and where it stopped and, and where it fits in and how, what makes sense to interface with, with the various aspects of it. Um, it it's a very different, um, career move for me than I've, than I've ever had. So if I, I, the way that I looked at, you know, in, in my career so far, I've, sort of, I've definitely looked after patients, kids and, and, and adults. In my previous role as associate chief, I'd say I was looking after staff, um, physicians and, and, and the department. Um, and I've always enjoyed teaching. So now it's, it's, it's working with medical students and, and and, and really not having been in the medical teaching system since I graduated, oh, um, it was, you know, 
come back and and get reacquainted with the system and the culture was um, it's a very unique and a very different culture than, than everything anything that I had done. So becoming familiar with that, um, and I would say not just at the UT MD program level. I mean, certainly there's the UTM, and I'm fairly familiar with 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 the with with UTM and and uh, and, and MAM because I was actually on staff at Trillium at the time when when it was all when it was being pulled together. Uh, but also to get a sense of where things are at at a national level and then how other schools manage and operate it. So I'd say that's probably been probably the most challenging thing about my job is just is getting a, a good and a clearer sense of that. <clears throat> you know, for me to even be able to put together that statement about what OPSA does took a little a little time to, to, for me to figure that one out myself and, and, and learn how to make things work within the system that I actually was not not very familiar with. Um, you know, I'm, when I interviewed for, for the job, um, and I, I touched on this and I said, you know, I, my, my greatest learning curve is going to be understanding the culture and, and the system. You know, if you ask me about the children's mental health system, I can tell you that with my eyes closed. Uh, but to come into this, I don't, I didn't know the players. I really was not acquainted with the system uh, or the culture. So that was probably the toughest thing. The best part about my job is, um, is seeing things um go in, in 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 a good direction um when things may not seem to be starting that way and 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 uh, the focus certainly with students and they're going to come back to individual and in, in, in systems kind of level um great example um working with students who don't match um as much as it is a very difficult time and a really difficult situation for those students i have to say that i really enjoyed is a bit strong but it's been really gratifying to see those students grow so much and and, and mature so much so quickly uh, and be able to get a more balanced view on on things um, and it's just been really gratifying to see them you know when when they try again the next time to find their career home if you will um, and you know when you know that they've put so much energy and effort um, in, into getting there um, and and I would say that it, in, in general, you know, any, any students that, that we come in contact with, or, or when it's a class as a whole, when you know, there's an issue or a struggle, to, to see them be able to get past that uh, and, and, and move on to the next thing, I'd say is, is by far the best, uh, the best part. Great, and, and we're, we're gonna shift gears a bit. Mm -hmm. um, now the talk around town <laughs> is that, you know, Dr. P, you have a farm and on that farm you have horses um could you verify this and could you explain to us like if it's true the backstory behind it <laughs> yes it is true i do have a horse farm um so the farm itself i don't live on the farm right now but we do have a we do have a horse farm um so we own three horses um on the farm right now we board two others and it's it's not it's about a 40 minute drive from from our home uh, we've had it about six and a half years so the backstory you know, this is what I keep saying to you, just don't plan on anything because you never know what's going to happen in, in your life. And this is exactly one of those things. It was never, ever in my plans to, to own a horse farm. But ironically, I actually remember a project I did in like grade seven or eight where we had to design something. And, and I actually chose to design a horse farm, not knowing anything at all about horses, but why that, I have no idea, but that's, that, that, that's a long time ago. <clears throat> Long and short of it, so my wife was, uh, she grew up with horses, so she was actually um, a barrel racer and, and won many, many competitions um, as, as a little girl. And uh, <clears throat> and then um, she moved to the city and, and horses were not easy to, to, to manage in, in the city. And then uh, got married, had kids. And so horses weren't in the picture for a little while. And then my wife really wanted to get back into horses. So we bought a horse. Um, this was about eight years ago. We had them in a couple of different places. Um, one reason or another wasn't really working out. The last place was an hour and a half drive one way from home. So we started looking for places to board the horse, couldn't come up with anything. And then this farm comes up for sale. And a friend of ours said, we'll make a deal. If, if, we, buy, if, if we buy the farm, they will help with the, with the horse management. And, and that's how it basically happened and came to be. Um, and uh, so we had one horse and then there's a expression that says that horses are like chips you can't have just one um 
<laughs> and so we ended up with two and now we're at three. That's probably the limit of the horses that we will own. Um, and it's been, it's been good actually. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, I had not been a horse person myself. So the last seven, eight years I've become, and I've known lots of no horses and, and, uh, comfortable I, I can ride i can stay on a horse um and um <clears throat> and, and i and i've taken lessons so i enjoy the horses but i like the farm i like the property um more than anything so plan was to perhaps retire out there at some point but we'll, we'll see where it fits in so when we're talking about retirement like do you, do you hope to expand to like cows and sheep and pigs and no um <laughs> however <laughs> there is talk of um of llamas and chickens <laughs> <laughs> okay okay now, and obviously the follow-up is, is is there going to be like uh opportunities for medical students to go horseback riding on your um you know on those horses <laughs> on those horses absolutely and then when i can learn to ride the cart to drive the cart then there'll be opportunities for cart rides as well that's awesome that's so good so how did you guys decide to do with the chickens and uh, alpacas and the llamas? How did that uh, So it's not happening just yet because you, you, yeah. you have to be on the property um, to, to look after them regularly. Yeah. Um, but you no know, chickens are easy to keep. Um, they are. And you get, uh, you know, you can get some eggs and, and, yeah. and the alpacas don't know anything about them. We've just been seeing them around and been reading about alpaca farms <laughs> and, you know, we've gone to, <laughs> we, we've talked to some alpaca farmers and it's just, it's, uh, it's just, I think it's just kind of a, I don't think we're serious about it, but. Uh, it'd be kind of fun. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Neat. Uh, would you grow any, like, and not livestock, but we just talked about that, but um, any crops? No, no, we don't actually grow any crops. We, um, there, we actually do lease out about eight acres of a field to the adjoining okay. uh, farmer neighbor and he uh, uses it for uh, corn and uh and, and, and beans but no you need a whole bunch of other equipment and yeah and it's another it's another an investment job. yes it is not sure if that's a good retirement plan like plan in terms not of raising really, crops but like the animals really will be retirement fun. thing animals are fun as long as they're good and they're healthy <laughs> yeah chickens are pretty low maintenance yeah all right um so we both know that you're a huge advocate on taking some time off. Um, yes. Both me and Natter, when we talk to you, are definitely always like, oh, we're swamped with things. And you're like, take some time off. It's okay. Like, <laughs> it will all be all right. Carms will still be there when you get back. And we'll it will. It will. <laughs> um, so our question was, can you tell us a bit about why you think it's important to take time off in general and specifically during the summer and um, actually take a vacation from medical school, um, yeah. as well as maybe any adventures you have during your uh, summers sure. in medical school sure i mean i mean we, we always talk about that work-life balance right and you, and you have to balance the, the 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 intensity of the work with the time off just to rejuvenate and, and to refresh you know as we constantly say to you know our, our attention span is only good for 20 minutes and then it starts to decline quickly and when you're hammering at it all the time you need you, you need to get away from that and and to um uh, and, and, and to take and really refresh, refresh our thinking, refresh our mind. So I do think that's always important. I think the time off is also important to um, expand what we do. You know, so that we're not only doctors, and that that's all that we do and live and breathe. That there is more to life, and then there's more to, to things than that. Um, I think it makes us appreciate things better. I think it makes us more balanced, more rounded people overall. To get to step out of our of our everyday roles and our, our everyday work um and and i think that that's critical i think again if, if you think back to what i said at the beginning phase of life stuff and again as a child psychiatrist and i say this all the time i think development and phase of life there's certain things that happen at various phases in our lives that don't happen at any other time and this is the opportunity to make sure you, you know you don't lose all of those opportunities um by by not taking breaks and doing other things you know families like i said People are now, people in their 20s, 30s, it, it, it's, you know, it may be developing your own family, it may be coming, uh, dealing with extended family, um, exploring different things, um, learning about yourself, which I think is critical. Um, we need to learn about who we are as, as individuals, as humans, um, to, to better understand and appreciate who we are as physicians and, and what we value. Um, that, that, that also helps us understand other people, and so it also helps us check our biases our potential bias if we know who we are and what we stand for and recognize that that's who we are and what we stand for. If 
but it may be different for other people. And, and you really need that opportunity to get out there um, and explore that. Um, and, you know, and I kind of half jokingly say, come back, you know, developmental phase, take the time now before you have kids and families, because once you start having them, then you ain't going too far too soon. It's doable, but it's, 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 it's a lot more effort, a lot more, and a lot more energy. So there's certain things that you can do now before different life responsibilities kind of weigh, weigh on you. So, so take advantage of them now while you can, and, and, and don't let them, and don't let them go by. Um, I, I think it's critical. I can tell you what I did that I, it was definitely memorable. So it was between second and third year med school. Um, I, I took a, a course in fine art history in Italy. Um, so I went there for two months. Um, I spent two weeks with family and then six weeks in Siena. Um, stayed in the student residences and it was a fresco painting up to the 15th century and it was uh, on-site instruction. So every day we were out at wherever the frescoes were and then uh, a lot of weekend trips and um, and then I got a credit. It was a UT sponsored course. I got a credit towards my BSc. Uh, I'd always had a kind of a passing interest in, in art history. I'd never had the opportunity to do anything about it. And it was a great opportunity to do that. And it was about, I don't know, it's been 40 or 50 of us from U of T. Um, made some great, great connections. And I, I learned a little bit about, uh, about art history as well. And um, Really, really glad I did because I, I don't say I never would have had that opportunity um, ever again um, since then. So, are you a fine art connoisseur? No, <laughs> <laughs> I know bits and pieces. I can tell you about certain elements of that. I can tell you about a little bit of fresco painting and uh, at the, the just pre uh, and and the end of medieval pre uh, pre Renaissance and and, and some of the uh, some of the artistic some of the art uh, approaches and, and and vanishing points and stuff and. Uh, I can't even remember where some of the frescoes were in, in some of the buildings. And, and I think you raise a good point, Dr. P, since that many of us, especially now, I mean, you, you probably would agree that medicine has got more competitive. Um, and many of us feel like there's an obligation for us to spend our summers in med school researching and shadowing this and doing the long-term uh, clinical experience and, and whatnot. And, you know, does that affect our carms? Like, would it affect because maybe that's a myth that's there like do you think it would affect someone overall or i can tell you it's not going to affect your life overall at all um is it going to affect your carms very little if at all um i i think there's a number of elements that go into your carms application and you know if you choose to take a summer off to do something i i, I can't see how it's going to set anything back um in, in in any way at all you know there's, there's a number of things that everybody does um, even just to meet the minimum requirements, there's a number of things that you will do, um, and uh, you know, and at the end of the day, everybody's gonna is gonna go somewhere. Um, you know, the, the the large majority are definitely gonna match somewhere. So to, to to deprive yourselves of a two or three month break, I honestly think you're doing yourselves a disservice for your own health and uh, and, and balance and well being. Um, there's lots of time, lots of opportunity to work and to catch up on work. Um, you know, in long term, not not at all. Um, you know, what you'll find when you get out there and you, and you you know you're applying for jobs and whatever, what people are going to pay a lot more attention to is what you've done in, in in the you know in the typically the five years prior to whatever it is that you're applying for. Um, you know, just as your high school marks are more remote and and really of no major consequence for you guys anymore right now. It won't be much longer before what you did in the summer between second and third year is also not going to be a much consequence. Speaking to that, um, I was just teaching a course to high school students mm -hmm. this weekend, and they were getting all worried about whether or not they should apply to specific programs because it gave them an advantage to medical school. And I was like, no, do something you like. If you like art, do art. There's tons of students in this class who like have done an arts degree or something. Like, don't just do something because you think it will improve your chances for something that's not very defined to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and then in Kenya, I would say you, you know you can repeat the same message to to yourself and and, and to your colleagues. I think it's it, 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 it's exactly the same. I think it, it, it's really more about taking the time to learn about what you want to do, what, what you think you like to do, uh, finding a way around it to you know. Mind too that some students 
not not an insignificant number don't know what you want to do and you start off going in one direction you're one and then you kind of get to your friend say oh no i want to do something different um yeah. you know so if you focused on so much on whatever it was in the summer between your one and two and then it's like oh no i changed my mind then then it's it's you know it didn't it, 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 it it's not going to play as big a role as, as maybe you, you might have you're afraid it might have well, I can say that Nader and I both have definitely taken your advice to heart and <laughs> have spent most of the last summer camping and getting out of the city, which Perfect. is definitely good for the mental health. Perfect. Um, now, you know, we're, we're talking about misconceptions and kind of myths. And um, what misconception do you think that students have uh, about medical school or the CARMS application process or even medicine that you would like to clear up? Um. So there's, there's there's a couple that I would say. Um, wait, where do I start? Okay, so med school is hard. It's not a mis- It is hard. It's not a misconception. It's not so hard that you can't have a life along with it. Um, so I, I, I'd say that that's that's an important misconception. It kind of ties in with what we were just talking about. Actually, that it is important that you do have a life um, outside of medicine. Um, I think the um, I think the other the misconception is that you know students um will have spent most of them most of you will have spent a lot of your time working to get into med school before you get in and then it's almost like okay i'm here um great and it's like actually you're here and it's just the beginning of a many many other kinds of things that you're here for it's it's, it's like yes you've invested many years to get there uh now you got to change that thinking a little bit more and now it's focused on the, 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 the next goal and, 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 and how to get through that so it doesn't actually stop it actually never stops um, because I think it's important that we are always scouting and looking out for different opportunities and as long as we're doing that it never stops you, you never I'm here this is it I don't need to do anything else and, and, and I don't think that's a healthy way to be either so I think that's that's a misconception um, and, and the other thing that I would add and, and I'd say that I think you mentioned the competitiveness and and yes it is competitive but it's also collegial and and you know don't lose sight of that um and i think as i've spoken with some of you guys before carms has unfortunately i think gotten to a place for many students where it's almost like um you know med school is getting in the way of carms uh or med school is all about about carms as, as that ultimate prize uh or the residency match and 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 i, I come back to say that's it's a shame if students take that on because then you if your eye is just working for that end goal then you run the real risk of missing out on on the journey and getting i mean maybe it sounds kind of corny but i but i do mean it it um it, it focus on on the now and, and and learn and take what you can from the current situation uh, and don't over focus on that one specific goal in the end because that too will come and go real fast um and, and if you can use this as an opportunity to learn life skills in general, it, you're going to be better off in the long run. And say, like, that was one example of how you learn and apply journal life skills. Because once you get past that match, then you got to start applying them at, 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 the, at the next phase. I think that's very true. I think all the upper years that I've talked to, all the residents, recent residents, and then upper year clerks of match have said, like, take this advice from us like don't sweat about carms it's going to be a very stressful time and we appreciate it we've been in your shoes but at the end of the day you're going to get through it you're strong enough um like just have trust in the system and, and let things fall through so um and i can guarantee you like once we get there like once i get there we're still going to have anxiety and stresses but at the end it will work out for hopefully what's best yeah and, and you know sometimes you you, you have to believe in fate to some degree as well and, and i come back to my example with some of the students who haven't matched and you know what we're seeing probably more and more is that some of the students saying look it's actually not a bad thing to have not matched in fact it's actually a little bit liberating because you know because you know we're asking you guys to choose earlier and earlier and earlier in a particular direction and then some students like they invest so much in that particular direction and then they get to us and they realize that they didn't actually really want to go there but there's so much invested in it that, that they feel that they can't shift away from it and it's almost like when they didn't match, it was almost like a sigh of relief. It's like, oh, okay, that decision's been taken away from me. I can't do that. Um, so now I am going to go back and look at what I do really want to do. For sure. 
um <clears throat> that is amazing advice um and hopefully we could learn from it folks and again if this is something that's on your minds in the carms process be sure to reach out to opsa and and they'd be happy happy to help yes dr p what is your wildest adventure either inside the hospital or outside of the hospital like i know we talked a little bit about your trip to italy and that sounded fun i'm sure there was a ton of good food and ton of good wine there but uh what other adventures have you gone yeah. up to wine was real cheap too although you can mm. only go so cheap when you get down at that time to 75 cents a bottle that's when it's vinegar um <laughs> you can't drink it at, at, at that at, at, at that low cost i would say that that was definitely was it wild it was good it was it was definitely one of my most memorable adventures you know, honestly when i say my wildest adventures is the horse farm um yeah. i never on earth would have seen myself uh on a farm let alone with horses i now have a tractor mm. Um, <laughs> and I, my, my plan is to learn how to drive the cart. Um, so I think it's a longer, it's, it's a longer term kind of adventure, but that's probably what I would say is, is I'd say that's probably the wildest thing that, 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 that I would have done. Would you say you were a city boy before? Mm -hmm. So here's my, so here's my irony. I actually was born in, in Southern, um, rural Italy, um, on essentially a farm. It was a, it was a self-sufficient um wheat um and then there was livestock but only for our own consumption um so that's actually where i come from um it's so that however we immigrated to canada i was just three years old and then lived in the in the suburbs so i would have seen myself as as a city as a city boy the irony then comes so i met my wife as a clerk she was a, is still was a nurse at, at at a hospital here so i was a clerk on on a rotation and we uh, and and we met there uh, and my wife actually comes from a, a farm from a tobacco farm and had horses um and then and then my as i explained how we ended up on the horse farm so it's this it's this bizarre kind of irony started there i would have seen myself as a city person um my wife was in the city but farmer background um, and now we're kind of gravitating towards kind of a an in-between kind of so back to yeah. that farm kind of thing so I'd say I'm a bit of a hybrid, <laughs> comfortable in both. And the people that know me from the farm, there's been a couple that have seen me in my in my Toronto wear, and they don't recognize me because they see me as as as, a, as, as being out there. That's amazing. Yeah. Does it go from like Dr. Pete to Farmer Pete, or <laughs> is there a transition? <laughs> yes, there is actually. <laughs> amazing. So, Dr. Think... Oh, sorry, Nada, go for it. Dr. P, you know, you just uh, mentioned meeting your wife during clerkship. You mind telling us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 it's, it's a funny story. I'll, I'll I'll try to summarize the try to summarize it. So okay, so um, so clerkship was fourth year for us at at, at that time. Started in, in around whatever it was June or July. And so, as you may or may not know, so um, at the beginning of the year, <clears throat> a picture of all the clerks gets circulated to all the wards. Um, and my, my wife was on, uh, she was a relatively new grad. She was on the general surgery ward. Um, and, and I started off with psychiatry actually, uh, in July. I wasn't due to be in general surgery until January. <clears throat> and so apparently the pictures get circulated and apparently my wife picks me out, out of the, out of the lineup. Um, <clears throat> and, um, but we, whatever that left it at that. So come January, so I go on general surge and, um, it, and so I think shortly after I started to notice my wife around the, around the, 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 the ward there, but we never, never really talked. Um, I think we kind of, obviously she noticed me from six months before and, then, and I just started to notice her. Um, and then I was on call one night and, um, I got called about a patient who was not doing well and his potassium was, was like above seven something or whatever. And, and, um, and, and I, I, you know, I called my resident and did the report or whatever. Um, and then the next morning I was, as I was rounding to leave the hospital, um, I'm sitting at the nursing station, writing notes or whatever. And this nurse, not my wife, another, comes um, running out to get me because this patient from the night before um, was sitting in his chair and he died when he wasn't breathing. And so apparently when my wife and her colleague went in to check in on this patient, they said, what do we do now? We don't know what to do. And, and, uh, and, and my wife said, well, I know where that clerk is. I'll go get him. Um, so they came running out, got me. We got to the, got to the patient. He, he had died. He was sitting up in his chair uh, and he had died. 
Um, <clears throat> but my wife and I were kind of looking at me. My wife says to me, uh, I don't know what to do. I've never been in an arrest situation before. And I said, neither have I, but I'm sure we'll be just fine. <clears throat> and so between the two of us, <clears throat> we knew enough to lift him onto the bed, put the board behind his back. And I started mouth to mouth CPR. And then the, and then the code team finally arrived. And it wasn't pretty. We had no idea how to give handover. We were giving stories all over the place. And it was, I was just relieved when they finally took over. <clears throat> anyway, that was kind of like the defining moment where we actually kind of met. Um, and then I waited till actually I was off the unit, off the service um, to, to ask her out. And then it goes from there. <laughs> so do we still uh, hand around like clerkship photos to, to all, the, <laughs> all the nurses and doctors or is that not a thing anymore? <laughs> so the joke, so my wife is still at the hospital. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and so, yeah, so when you, if, if you see a nurse with the same last name, it's more than likely her. Thank you. That was really sweet. Um, we're we're going to transition to rapid fire questions, sure. and uh, before we kind of end off, and, and these are quick questions, um, you know, and, and feel free to elaborate if you need be on the questions. If you feel that you need some elaboration, or you can just answer it as is. Ready when you are. Okay. okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Starbucks or Tim Hortons? I think I say Starbucks inches over that one. Could do either, but definitely the Starbucks will win out. Okay. Um, what is your favorite color to wear? So it's a choice between, I'm going to say navy and, uh, and, and dark gray. I've consistently wear, seen you wear both colors. Yeah. Probably most, <laughs> most of our meetings. I'm and a winter, isn't that, what it, isn't that what it is? And then, and, and that's what, that goes with the, with the hair color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, nickname your parents used to call you. Um, so not so much a nickname. <clears throat> So, excuse me, it's kind of like the, the diminutive form of Tony. So, Tonino. Like little okay. Tony. Yeah. That's a really cute name. <laughs> and is it so used now or is it has it died died off? I'm the baby of the family. I won't tell you how old I am, but I'm still the baby. So, yes, it's still used. Okay. <laughs> um, one of your readers, uh, weirdest quirks? Um, probably. It's not so much weird. What's my quirks? I'd say um, lists. And trying to keep things organized and in, in getting images of keeping things organized mm -hmm. and do they work like do you follow the list <laughs> the organization? <laughs> to a point and then they get overwhelmed <laughs> when i start to make lists to keep track of my list then it's like okay it's gone far <laughs> enough that's enough now <laughs> just, just just ignore them all and start from scratch <laughs> happy that you know <laughs> um who is your role model I, it, it's a toss-up. Um, I'd say I actually go back to a high school teacher, a high school math teacher, who was kind of known for being tough but fair, um, and had you know reasonable expectations and, and was supportive of us um, there. And I would say similar would would have been one of my earlier supervisors when I was a child psychiatry resident, um, who I, I respected quite a bit uh, in terms of where he had come from, what he had accomplished. Uh, I respected his opinion and and, uh, and 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 direction, and and he was always very 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 um, strong um, supporter. Um, yeah, they both passed. They, they both uh, passed now, but uh, they're still the ones that I would I, I, would, I tend to go back to. Sorry to hear that they passed, but uh, it's always great to have people that you can look back at and, and uh, take inspiration from. The question and is, do you have a farmer's a farmer that's your uh, role model? <laughs> I don't really know too many anymore. And I'm just saying, by default, it has to be my father-in-law. I would have personally said old McDonald, but... Um, no, I didn't really know him. Um, you probably already filled this, but what is one thing you'd put on your bucket list? You know, this is... This is uh, I, I, you know, I, I want to go to China and I want to see the Great Wall. Uh, traveling after COVID, yeah, yeah. No, after. not going right now, no. But ultimately, that's that's what I would like. That's what I really want to do. I've that's heard great things. List too. Yeah. Same. Um, texting or calling? Oh, texting for sure. So, if you could bring one thing with you, if you got stuck on a desert island, what would it be? Well, the immediate thing we go to is our cell phones, but that's assuming that there's service. On the <laughs> Otherwise, it's almost pointless. And assuming you can charge it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. You, I, at least from my ventures this summer in different provincial parks, you get service in the most 
the oddest places, like where、yes. you really wouldn't expect it. So yes,、um, yes, you do. Right when you don't want any email, you it pops into <laughs> your phone. Yeah, I guess that's why there's an airplane mode. Um, it. What is your favorite hobby? Uh, thought about that. So interestingly,、uh, honestly, I would actually say gardening right now. So I spend a lot of time at the farm,、uh, gardening, probably more so than I spend kind of same with the horses. So I have over the years,、um, I, I, I do a lot of stuff with perennials and shrubs and flowering shrubs, and I spend a lot of my time moving, growing, taking care of,、um, planting them out, and designing them. So I, I do. I spend a lot of time with that and reading up on. On plants, and um, um, I've, I've come to learn oh, but quite a few, a couple, a few hundred species of varieties of plants, and and growing conditions, and, and and so on. I have a feeling that a lot of people will eventually get into gardening. It's just something. It seems like that's just a stereotype or something, but it is really relaxing. So I'm glad you. It is、that. relaxing, and, and you know the nice thing about it, you get to see the result of what you do. So you you know you put the plant, you move it in the fall, and then in the spring you see when it starts to come up, and then you know, and then and you get to know when the flowers come, and then you get this kind of symphony of flowers, or you know, moving over time. So it's actually quite、uh, quite gratifying. Are you going to enter into any competitions? No, I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm sure you're great.、Um, okay, what's one skill you'd like to learn? I, if I had the courage, I would love to learn how to hang glide. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah,、um, I was watching a couple videos about some、uh, daredevils in Austria and stuff, just jump, jumping off the cliffs and Alps. Of,、like、they were in like the squirrel suits, but like yeah, still yeah, yeah. kind of same thing, just like leaping off. Yeah, no, I'm not、Ridiculous. a daredevil, but like I said, if I had the courage, that's one of the things I would love to be able to do. It's good. You're still young. You can do it. I can do、um, it. Never know. Exactly. You can start up a hang gliding club <laughs> here at your team.、Uh, what is a book that you recently read that you would recommend to students? Either audio book. This could also be a podcast if you listen to podcasts. Um. Yeah.、Uh, the- So I mean, we do, we do we're doing a lot of audio books.、Um, I mean, a couple of interesting ones. I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it. There's one recently with If You Tell, which is actually quite disturbing、um, story of, of significant、um, uh, physical and emotional psychological abuse、um, from a, a, a psychopathic、um, a female, which is. And I have a forensic background, so I'm, you know, tried that. But I thought that was actually, that was actually、um, very, very intriguing.、Um, the other book that I'm still working through is the、uh, something called "The Coddling of the American Mind,"、uh, which might be interesting for students. I'd be really curious to see what you guys think. It was basically a、um, kind of trying to a, a description or formulation of. Of the current you know, of youth today, and 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 the mindset that youth come from, it, and and suggest the, the contributors to that.、And、so it's, I mean, I don't I don't really follow or agree with everything they're saying, but it's an interesting an interesting、um, read. Thank you for those. We'll definitely take a look at them. I'm currently trying to just struggle through one、uh, sci-fi book that I purchased, and I was like. Is that prequel was really good, but this one's just not as good. But I can't justify just moving on to my other books until I finish it. Finish that one.、Um, and the worst book ever was histology, whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare. <laughs> We thankfully don't have books.、Um, <laughs> I know you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> I, I remember、uh, my dad telling me he's like, yeah, like you know, if you ever get a question wrong, like always be willing to go back to the book and read the content. I'm like, yeah, dad, we don't have books. And he was just flabbergasted. <laughs> he could not comprehend.、He's Like this is a medical institution. I'm like, yeah, like we <laughs> gone with the days of the book. Here's, he still can't wrap his head around that everything's like PowerPoint. Yep, <laughs> yep. But we still have histology, and it's still just as terrible.、Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to diss any、um, budding pathologist in the audience. You guys are all great.、Um, what is your current favorite song? So it's kind of current, and I would actually say the Pentatonix version of "Sound of Silence." Oh, I love the Pentatonix, and "Sound of Silence" is a really、yeah. good song. Yeah, 
if I could listen to that one over and over again. Um, are you the most important question, in my opinion? Are you a dog or a cat person? Dog by far. We have one of each as well, but no dog by far. Fair enough. What kind of dog? Uh, standard poodle. Okay, that's not what I was picturing at all, but good. curious. What were you picturing? I don't know. I was thinking like you'd have like a bigger, like a standard poodle is a big dog, but I don't know, like some like European breed. Like I'm, so, I personally really like German breeds, but yeah. So we, we've had a few. Uh, we started off with uh, Mini Schnauzer many years ago. Okay. Uh, <laughs> tragically, was eaten by coyotes out of our backyard. Oh, um, oh no! I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, and then we went to a Golden Doodle for a number of okay. years. Okay. Um, and then, um, and then we, we there were certain parts of him that we liked, and so we thought maybe it was the the the, the poodle part. That, that we right. liked and, and, and the intellectual part of it. So we went to the standard poodle and then for about four years, we kind of um, had, had a rescue of, a, of a, uh, what are they called? A Yorkie. Um, okay. Yeah. And he was a nightmare. <laughs> he was vicious as anything. Oh no. <laughs> Can break him a <laughs> It's hard with rescues. Um, yeah. It's not easy, but good for you guys for having a rescue. The yeah. thing is, where I'm currently at, I'm like, I really want a dog, but realistically, I would want a, like a breed, like a specific purebred, but like I can't justify it right now. One, because I don't have time or the space, yeah. but two, because I think I it would be good to take a dog from a shelter just because they need it. But yeah. yes, it's a mixed bag in terms of the trauma <laughs> that the dog has gone through before. Um, yeah, or inflicted on us. <laughs> Exactly, all that. Okay, moving on. Uh, what is a clinical clinical examination that you learned in med school that you do not use in practice? Oh, this is a funny one. It goes back to med school. So when we learned how to take a blood pressure, you know, in in class they taught lying in lying and in, in, in sitting or lying and standing, both arms. So basically, four different times. And the first time I got, I went to clinical placement in it. It was in the doctor's office and the doctor asked me to do blood pressure and that's what I did. He says, what are you doing? <laughs> that's funny. It took um, me forever to do blood pressures because I would do that until I learned very quickly that, nah, you don't really do it that way. Yeah. When I, uh, when I was in a family doctor's office and he asked me to do a blood pressure, like I was, I like pulled out my examination kit and stuff and he's like, no. There's an electric one right there. Just put it around our arm. Like, right. don't let, like, let's stop. Like, why are you bothering? Yeah. Imagine Dang. doing heaves and throws on a patient. Yeah. That's that. And yeah. realizing like they've never been used. Even like cardiologists barely use it. Um, yeah. 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 <clears throat> we learned so many interesting techniques. Interesting good. techniques. The theory was interesting. When in practice, like, nah, you don't have time to do all that. Exactly. Okay. Freud or Beck? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go towards Freud, not because I necessarily buy into or believe a lot of Freud's uh, theories, um, but I do find some merit in the psychosexual developmental phase approach from Freud and the psychoanalytic approach in helping understand. It, it, I think it provides some really good understanding of things, of human behavior that no one else really provides. Um, and so I, I think um, there's a lot of benefit, uh, a lot that can be learned from that. He also had some pretty cool facial hair, uh, but everyone <laughs> during that time period did. Yes. Um, what is the toughest medical procedure you ever performed? We were talking about how you uh, code, were part of a code with your wife, but that, uh, was, yeah, that would be a tough one. Yes. Yes. That one, that one was definitely, that was a huge learning experience on that one. Um, uh, I mean, as a, I mean, I mean, I went into psychiatry right after general and in, uh, in, in rotating internships. I wouldn't have had, um, you know, strictly medical procedures wouldn't have, maybe not have had the experience that I may have had. Um, and, and, and at that junior level, you're not really allowed to do as many things. Um, yeah. Huh. I'd say probably the biggest struggle, the terrified of it, was putting down NG tubes. I didn't want to hurt or, or, or choke the patient. Um, and um, my first delivery, it was okay. not pretty. 
It was not pretty. I ended up, I didn't, I did catch the baby, but the poor thing I had it suspended upside down by one arm <laughs> and the opposite leg. Thank goodness the mother didn't see. <laughs> and the poor obstetrician was just blood, with her hands underneath, making sure in case I dropped the poor thing. <laughs> oh no. Um, <laughs> and, I, then the mother, and then the mother asked, it was a boy or a girl. I went, what? I don't know. I didn't look. <laughs> I'm too worried about not dropping the baby. Doctor P, you had one job. <laughs> I'll do. Don't drop the baby and figure it out. Amazing. I I can't speak for Natter, but I am that like catching a baby is definitely one of the things that I'm worried about during a clerkship or shadowing when I get back to it, uh, giving COVID. Um, cannot drop that. And no. Need to make sure you look at the no. sex. That's right. <laughs> okay, I think we're moving into the student story of the week or month. Um, so we had nothing specifically submitted. However, in some exciting news, the two to four class of so the first year class has just completed their first uh, medical school course, I guess, in terms of they completed ITM last Friday. So congrats yep. to them and welcome to the end of the tunnel, the bright light, uh, which is CPC. Uh, one, two, and three. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed it much more than ITM, but the ITM staff and lecturers were amazing. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add? I'm not sure if I saw you write a note when we asked you about it before, but. The story of the week. Or month. I mean, you know, the, I mean, the biggest there's two big things that have been on, on, you know, on, on, on minds for students in the last month in particular. So obviously COVID and, and managing outbreaks and, and, and finding paths through that. Um, and, and I think things are in, you know, in, in, a, in, in, in a better place right now. And, um, and it's, I mean, the other story obviously for, for fourth years is what's going to happen with the CARMS process and, and, and just getting things up to speed there. So I'd say those are the, probably the, biggest drivers of what's happening right now more so in the last in the last month that those two things are really picked up you you and the faculty are managing that splendidly and i think thank the students you. really appreciate it yes um, thank you i think we'll wrap it up with the excellent news that there's only 29 days since the date <laughs> of recording which is today um, until christmas break uh, do you have any christmas plans um well we're, those are gonna have to evolve right because we're everybody's on on lockdown basically yeah. so you have to redefine uh, what we mean by family and how we spend that time um and really go anywhere um it's actually our son's birthdays between christmas and new year's as well so that's always kept us hopping um and just kind of honestly taking it easy and enjoying time back and forth um, with the farm and and the horses um uh we've got a, a few acres of woods there as well so hoping to cut some trails and and nice. uh, and if there's snow do some snowshoeing or something so just hopefully low-key and just getting getting some air that's amazing everything seems to come back to the farm it actually does actually there's, there's a lot of things that revolve around that and uh, i have to say that with you know with the limitations with covid it's actually been it's been good to be able to have that um mm -hmm. sometimes when it gets overly uh burdensome and there's there's a lot going on to try to think of and when you've got live animals it's 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 kind of tough but um it's also been nice to have that as as that close by kind of outlet um really just to get us out great that's always great to hear dr p um as always it's a pleasure talking to you thank you very much for for sitting down with us and giving this opportunity to interview you and really get to know you um you know our, our running joke between me and you is you know the, the faculty are humans they're getting to know the faculty as humans and um but uh, thank you for this opportunity i think i uh, uh, really enjoyed it great thank you very much guys i really enjoyed it it's uh, it's great and hopefully uh hopefully there's some words of value in there for some people to to, to pay attention to and uh yeah just take the time and relax honestly <laughs> come back to sure. that if anything, we'll ask the hospitals to circulate the clerkship uh, photos again. So maybe the singles <laughs> can uh, get, get lucky and find someone. <laughs> we have uh, hope. <laughs> Medsoc motion. Medsoc <laughs> motion, that's right. <laughs> Kenny, any closing remarks? No, just wanted to thank you both for taking your time out of a busy weekday and sitting down with 
um, me and uh, having an amazing conversation about a multitude of issues. Um, it's been awesome. And Great. I'm absolutely sure students will get something out of this for sure. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Enjoy. No worries. Take care. Thank you. Have a good day.